Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click Ratings and Reviews. You can also follow me on Facebook.com slash RunPaleo or on Twitter at RunPaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Joe Friel. Joe has trained endurance athletes since 1980. His clients are elite, amateur, and professional road cyclists, mountain bikers, triathletes, and duathletes. He's author of 10 books on training for endurance sports, including the popular and best-selling Training Bible book series, and is co-author of Paleo for Athletes. Joe, thanks for being part of the show. Thanks, Aaron. Glad to be here. So, Joe, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got interested in endurance sports. Uh, I guess it goes back to the early 1970s. <clears throat> I was uh, I had a friend and I, he and I would get together um, on the weekends and play racquetball. And uh, he was pretty good with a, with a, with a racket. He, he's a former tennis player. I discovered his endurance wasn't very good. So I decided if I got my endurance better, I could beat him as the uh, match wore on. So... I started running to get in better shape, and the next thing I knew, I was enjoying running a lot more than racquetball, so I gave up racquetball and just kept running. And that eventually led me to triathlon in 1983, and um, and, and beyond that, to road cycling and, and uh, duathlon and other sports. So uh, it kind of happened uh, in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. And are you still training and racing now? I am, but I can't run anymore. I'd stopped running back in uh, 2007. I started to get uh, bone on bone in, in my knee. Carlos was getting thin around the edges, and so I now uh, race bikes. Okay. So you wrote the book Paleo Diet for Athletes with Lauren Cordain. When did you get interested in paleo nutrition? Um, about 1994, I think. Uh, uh, Lauren Cordain, you just mentioned, and I, he's, he's a professor at uh, Colorado State University. Mm-hmm. He and I were uh, uh, running together, and he began to talk about the research he was doing on nutrition. And uh, I kind of kept up what was going on in nutrition back in the 80s and early 90s. And basically what he was telling me ran contradictory to everything that uh, I was reading in the research, primarily high-carbohydrate diets and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we kind of debated this and discussed which was the better way to go. And uh, I kept arguing that high-carbohydrate was the way you had to go, and you know, he suggested it perhaps wasn't. Mm-hmm. So eventually, after a few of these discussions, he challenged me. He said, why don't you try it for a month? In other words, try his suggestions and see what happens, and if it uh, – if it doesn't work any better, great. If it does, super. So I gave it a try, and, and lo and behold, after three weeks, I began to come around, and by the fourth week, I was really training quite well again and, and uh, went beyond what I normally would able to, was able to do in terms of uh, training volume uh, due to I, I normally would get run down and uh, sore throats and head colds and such when I got my volume too high for a week or more at a time. 
And with this diet, that wasn't happening. I was staying healthy at high volume. So I decided to give it a, a continued try and, and uh, basically I've been with it ever since. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that there was like a three to four week adaptation period. Is that pretty typical for athletes that try this? It is. I think if you go cold turkey, which is what I did, I just basically cut out carbohydrates from having a very high carbohydrate diet, probably 80% carbohydrate. Yeah, I, I cut it down to, uh, I don't know what the numbers were, but probably in the neighborhood of 30% or so, which is mostly fruit and vegetables. Right. And uh, gosh, uh, when I did that, then my body just rebelled for about three weeks, almost <laughs> three weeks. And were you going through a period of like adapting to burning more fat? Is that what was happening? Yeah, probably. Um, there were probably lots of things happening, but uh, number one was probably just that. My body had become very used to using carbohydrate for fuel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was taking away that fuel source, and my body was not yet a fat adapted, and so it took a while to for the body to get um, used to what I was doing as far as providing providing fuel for it. So, what is it exactly about the paleo diet that helps people to perform their best, especially endurance athletes? Well, I think what it did for me was it allowed me to recover a lot better and kept me healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two key things that are obvious to me. Um, it used to be before that when I was eating, I ate high carbohydrate starting in the 70s through the 80s and into 1995 or so. And um, the problem I used to have was recovery, basically. I would just get run down and tired, and I couldn't seem to get out of the downward spiral. And basically, I think I just didn't have enough protein or fat in my diet. I had less of carbohydrate, but the more important things in your diet are protein and, and fat. And there just wasn't enough there to, for my body to uh, repair itself. So when I made the switch over, um, that's the first thing that began to appear after a couple of weeks was I was recovering a lot faster and I was able to handle more volume because of that. And so my total training got better. Mm-hmm. So after reading the book Paleo for Athletes, I, I kind of found out that you had a few tricks in there that were uh, useful to endurance athletes. Things like eating potatoes uh, right after a hard or long workout, um, may, doing most of your high glycemic foods right after a workout. Yeah. How, what kind of tips and tricks have you found since? Um, well, I continue to, uh, to um, play around with diet. There's a lot going on in the nutrition field right now. Lots of discussions, especially that center around uh, higher fat, lower carbohydrate diets. I think you've had Tim Noakes on uh, Paleo Runner before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure he talked about that. And that, that's kind of what I've been uh, playing with since last uh, October. And uh, I found some interesting things there again. That if I've, so I've modified my diet once more after now, what's, what, it's been 18 years since I first changed it. Mm-hmm. I'm now changed it again and experiencing some interesting stuff. I think the primary thing I'm seeing now is, uh, uh, well, number one was loss of body weight. Uh, I'm 69 years old now. I can tell you as you get older, as you get up into your 60s, uh, gaining weight becomes a real issue. It's very, very easy to gain weight as you get older without, you know, hardly, without changing your diet at all, you gain more weight, more body fat. And uh, I changed my diet within... I went from 160 pounds to 152 pounds within uh, nine weeks, so 5% loss of body fat, roughly, in uh, in nine weeks' time. And that was one of the first things that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found I don't need all that carbohydrate anymore when I'm on the bike, for example, doing workouts. Um, I'll do three-hour workouts, water only, and feel quite fine, no problems whatsoever. Uh, beyond that, I'll typically put sugar in my back pocket. Don't always use it. I'll have a bar or a gel or something like that that I can go to in case I, I feel bonkish. 
Mm-hmm. So far, I seldom have to go to that. Um, only time might be if I've really been uh, training hard for several days, doing a really hard workout, and not eating very well in the in the previous few hours. That that maybe set me up for that issue. But I think that's the primary things I found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we had Tim Noakes on the show, he mentioned that he does a lot of high-fat dairy in order to get a, a high-fat, low-carb diet. Um, paleo or dairy wasn't on the Paleo for Athletes menu. What foods have you found, or have you used dairy? What have you found that works for you? I don't use much dairy, um, hardly any actually. Uh, primarily, what I do is uh, a lot of coconut milk, for example, coconut cream in my coffee. Um, my wife makes uh, makes foods um, using lots of coconut uh, products, nuts, uh, lots of ground nuts instead of wheat, uh, uh, almond flour, for example, uh, hazelnut flour. Um, so lots of things like that, eating more avocados. Um, uh, basically, I've kind of traded uh, the fruit I was eating before for um, for more uh, for more fat based items. It's really not not so much dairy that I use. That, that really hasn't changed at all. I eat very little cheese, for example, no milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the shift has been more along the lines of things like um, basically more saturated fats. Uh, for example, coconut oil, coconut uh, milk, coconut cream are all saturated fats. Um, I use um, uh, or eat more saturated fats in, in animal foods. Uh, I don't avoid it like I used to. Mm-hmm. So I, I just pick up more fats around the edges than what I used to eat and every, use that to replace the, the, a lot of the fruit I was eating before. Okay, interesting. You coach a lot of athletes. Have you coached any uh, top-end athletes that have tried this more higher-fat style paleo? Well, you know, I quit coaching last uh, summer. I retired from coaching, so I haven't coached anybody since last June. It's okay. been almost a year now. Uh, so no, I've not tried it with anybody else I coach. Uh, I just watch other athletes and see what's going on with their nutrition. And uh, there aren't very many people doing this, as near as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still kind of waiting to to get more more feedback from athletes. I, my gut feeling is that as the event gets longer and the intensity factor gets lower, the uh, that type of diet will be will be beneficial. Uh, because it won't require nearly as much carbohydrate during activity to keep the same intensity going. Where my question marks come is on things that are very short, let's say in running like uh, uh, 5K and shorter, uh, where the events are very short, especially if there's lots of surging going on. Like if you look at the, the front end of a 5K race, there's lots of surging happening where the athletes go anaerobic for a matter of a few seconds, 20, 30 seconds or so before backing down again. Same thing in road cycling. Uh, there's lots of uh, it's steady state, but there's a lot of variably paced seg- segments throughout the, the race, mountain bike racing, same way. And those things I really don't know about yet. I'm still kind of like I said, observing and watching and learning. I've, I've got a lot to learn about this whole topic yet. Mm-hmm. I've been becoming more interested in this idea that there's an ancestral component to endurance sports. Uh, what do you make of the idea that humans are exceptional at endurance activities? I agree. I, th- I think uh, our, a lot of the stuff that I uh, uh, read in the literature indicates the reason for our success as a species was because we were so good at hunting during the noonday uh, hours when most other animals, predatory animals, would not be hunting, trying to avoid the heat, basically because we're good at sweating. And that's really the, the key to our success as, as hunters is we could run animals down with persistence hunting uh, for hours at a time uh, and, and, and feed the family because of that. And uh, we've inherited that, that same trait. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, we're cut out to be endurance athletes. 
Mm-hmm. Has has have you ever taken an ancestral approach to training? Like, has there ever been any way of looking at the way hunter gatherers live and eat and incorporating that into your training? Well, I think it's an entire lifestyle. Actually, I, I think about this a lot. Uh, for example, we're all kind of used to the idea that there are uh, recovery periods. For example, hard day, easy day, hard day, easy day, repeated over and over or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what our ancestors would have done also. Um, uh, hunting would, would bring back um, enough food to last for more than a day into the, through the second day perhaps because uh, they were hunting large animals whenever possible. And consequently, that would keep them fed for, keep the group fed for a couple of days. So it would be a hard day of hunting and gathering, an easy day when really not much was done except uh, uh, resting and, and eating and enjoying one another's company. And perhaps the only thing they would do during that time is religious dances uh, to celebrate the, the, the hunt. And then right back at the next day, hunting again. And so it would be this hard day, easy day pattern. Um, they would have come back in after a hunt um, and probably have feasted on uh, on fat, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. It certainly wasn't carbohydrate. If it was you know, north, in Europe, north of 40 degrees latitude, wintertime, you were just not going to find any carbohydrate out there. What you're going to find is animals. And the primary thing you'd want from that animal is the fat on the animal's body, not, not so much its lean meat. Um, most of the research now that I've read indicates that the... Uh, the leader of a hunting group would more than likely be the one that uh, uh, was able to choose whatever it got wanted first from the from the carcass, and that was usually the fattest fattiest piece of the animal. So I think that's all stuff that lends itself to uh, uh, to um, how we live our lifestyles as athletes. Mm-hmm. How about this idea of more ancestral footwear? Have you gotten into the, this minimal uh, sh- shoe market at all? Have you tried that w- with your knees at all? No, I've not. I, like I said, I haven't run since 2007, and this whole thing kind of cropped up after that. Mm-hmm. But what I've done, I've, I've been coaching runners. I started in uh, 1980 coaching runners uh, when I owned a running store at that time. And um, uh, I've always had runners take their shoes off and do what I call strides workouts. They go to a grassy field like a park or something like that. And uh, after warming up, take their shoes off and, and run short sprints, if you will. I call them strides, working on technique and form and cadence and so forth. And uh, doing that barefoot just to kind of become one again with uh, kind of our ancestral roots and what we've, where we've been in terms of the uh, how we can go about improving our technique, and uh, uh, and I've done that. I continue have done that right up until I retired from coaching last summer. So you know, that's a long time of doing that with, with runners. I think it's very healthy to do that. Whether or not that means we should all be running uh, barefoot right now, I'm not sure it really means that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. So, so as a coach, how do you look at the mental aspects of training and performance? Is that an important part to look at while you're training? No, there's no doubt. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, there are always there, there are always two things I talk about with uh, groups when I've got a I'm giving a presentation. One of those two things is confidence. Um, it really has a lot to do with how well we do in, in, in any sport, in any activity, in fact, anything in life. Having confidence uh, 
allows us to uh, take advantage of what our skills really are. Um, and so I, we go over, I, I go over with the audience things that athletes can do to, to improve their confidence if they find they're lacking, which, by the way, almost all athletes are, including pro athletes I've coached. They're, they're just better at masking it than most than the novices are. But uh, confidence is, is really an issue I deal with a lot with athletes, making sure they can go to a starting line and feel confident they can do what we've trained to do for the weeks or months leading up to this event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, it's been great talking to you today. Uh, do you have any final tips for people who would be interested in trying this out, trying trying out the paleo-style diet, and how, how would they get started? Yeah, there's two ways to go. I, I think perhaps the best the best way when, when we're talking about in-season making a changeover, which is where we are right now, the best way to do it, I think, is gradually, uh, because your body is going to rebel if you do it cold turkey. Cold turkey may work if it's like November, December, but uh, June, July, August is probably not a good time for people to make a, a gigantic change in their nutrition if they've got races on the schedule yet that, still, that are still important to them. So I suggest doing it a little bit at a time. Just starting to make changes every day that are small changes, um, substituting more fruit perhaps for, for sugar-based foods that somebody may have normally eaten, eaten like cookies or cake or pastries or things of that nature. So just bringing more fruits, vegetables, and, and animal protein into the diet, I think, gradually would be a good thing to do at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Okay. If people want to find out more about you and your books, your work, where should they go? Well, they can go to my blog, which is uh, joefreelsblog.com, J-O-E-F-R-I-E-L-S-B-L-O-G.com. And uh, there they can find, gosh, several years. I think I've got like five years of blogs posted there and all my books and so forth. Okay, great. Joe, it's been great talking with you today. Thanks so much for being part of the show. Thanks, Aaron. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.